Corey Marquisotto is the Chief Marketing Officer of Elf Beauty and President of Keys Soul Care. A truly disruptive force in marketing, Corey has over 20 years of prestige beauty experience, and I cannot wait to share her journey with you all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders and industry executives around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or you're simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. Now without further ado, it's like to welcome our guest for today, Cori Marquisotto. She is the Chief Marketing Officer of Elf Beauty and President of Keys Soul Care, joining after more than 20 years of experience in the prestige beauty sector. Corey previously served as an executive leader at Shishido, developing multiple brands before venturing out with a mission to offer the best prestige to a wider audience. She launched Elf as one of the first brands on TikTok, quickly recognizing their growing popularity and establishing the brand as a Gen Z favorite. I love that she remains super close to the Elf community and immerses herself into understand exactly what everyone likes and why. There is so much for us to discuss today, from producing Elf's viral Super Bowl commercial that we've all seen with Jennifer Coolidge, to joining forces with Alicia Keys on her groundbreaking lifestyle brand. So Corey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Akash. Um, thank you for what you do. The words that you just use, connect, collaborate, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I'm very grateful for the work that you do that helps advance the industry forward and connects all the dots to make beautiful constellations. So thank you for having me and thank you for the work you do. And, and I want to say likewise, thank you as well, because um, not only has so many industry friends and founders raved about you, but I've had firsthand <laughs> experience of seeing you speak and, and you are truly not only just a great person, but a true sharer of knowledge and a, such a compassionate leader. So we need, um, we need more Corys out there, but I'm hoping... <laughs> By now having this podcast, many will listen and then be inspired to be just like Corey. Uh, so. Okay, I'm blushing. I, I'm blushing. That might not be my, my key soul care cheek tint. I think you're making me blush. I would be happy be. to take it you might. on the road and have you be a member of my hype squad because... Any time. <laughs> you know what? I will cover your basis here in UK as well. So I'll, I'll be your global, your global PR, you know? Um, but... Um, Corey, I asked all my guests the same first question. I'm super curious to hear your answer, but who in a nutshell is Corey? I think all things are an iceberg, right? There's uh, the, mm. what we see on the surface and then what we see underneath. So maybe I can put that question into two parts since, since you generously gave us some time to chat here. Yeah. On the top part, I think people would see the bold disruptor with the kind heart. I'm fearless. I like to blaze new trails, bust myths, and make anything elfing possible, as we like to say at Elf. And I'm also, as you said, a very compassionate leader. I lead with empathy. A lot of people are out there disrupting norms and being fearless. 
but that can also come with heartless. And I think the unique part is when you can be fearless and heartful. And when you think about where all of that comes from and you get beneath the surface, what enabled that and how come that's true? I think it goes back to the beginning for me, which is the balance between the bull, which was my father, and the unicorn, which is my mother. And by very definition, these two things are at a tension point. My father is a grounded realist, and my mother is a mythical dreamer. And I grew up with my mother telling me all the reasons why my dad's realism was perhaps the wrong approach, and my father telling me that my mother's mythical approach was perhaps the wrong approach. And what I came to truly appreciate is that the magic really happens at the tension point. And when you embrace the tension point, you can create a new level that never existed before. And that I truly believe is why I can appreciate the path of most resistance. The harder path is definitely the most rewarding. When you take the harder path, it is where you can create new dimensions, new spaces and places that people never thought were imaginable. And I don't think that would be possible if I didn't grow up at that tension point between the bull and the unicorn. I, I love this. And I also think there's a whole, there's a huge message there because you got me thinking like I'm, I'm going inwards, as you said that, and this kind of nuance of kind of tension points. And I thought, well, actually in my childhood, similar to yours, like I had a spiritual side with my mom and a very business entrepreneurial side with my dad. You know, my car journeys were listening to mantras and bhajan, like um, chants in Indian language. At the same time, hearing my dad take a business call shouting at his CFO, right? And I was thinking about this balance of like this, uh, this two sides. And actually I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a bit of a birth child of both of these energies, right? And it's actually sometimes so great to go at the sort of the beginning, right? And think about those lasting, profound memories you have as a child and how we use it in our day to day. And I, I love this. It can be such a beautiful space to sit in the middle of it. And, um, and I love those words you said, heart, you know, fearless and heartful. That's really powerful. Um, so I do want to ask, I guess, going to the childhood. Um, I mean, one thing for me is, apart from these really amazing experiences you had, you must have also had some profound beauty experiences growing up. Um, often those rituals really stay with us. Um, so is there anything that you remember from your first experience with beauty as a child? My mom was an advocate user of fragrance. And so was my dad, actually. And that probably came from more the European Italian roots. And my mom would always have the bottles of perfume. She had Samsara, she had Dior, and she would put them out as part of her display. They were really saying something about who she was. And she liked things that walked in the room before she did. And I remember always looking at those bottles. And for me, they were a piece of art. And I, I had this emotional experience with them that really reached far beyond the idea of this is a bottle of perfume and understood very clearly that it was something that my mother was saying to the world about who she was. And beauty is profound. And it is not surface. Again, if we think about the iceberg metaphor, it really goes deep to the heart of our being. It goes 
deep to what do we want to say to the world and how do we use beauty to help us say that. The other thing that I reflected upon when I think about my mother's beauty rituals is the bathroom that we had growing up. My father had created this space in the bathroom where there was mirrors on all sides. And I remember sitting in the corner on the floor because my mother had her makeup ritual and she would spend a fair amount of time every day making sure that she was presenting herself to the world in the way that would be unapologetically herself. And I would sit on the floor and watch her do her makeup to get ready for the day. And I remember seeing the infinity of my mother in those moments because the way the mirrors were built, it would just echo and echo and echo and echo and echo. And so she wasn't just putting on an eyeliner. I was just seeing this incredible dimension. And I think if you unpack that, you can see the layers of beauty. I'm not just putting on an eyeliner. I'm not just putting on a blush. There's a reason I'm choosing this color and this ritual and this approach. And it has everything to do with you taking what's in here and bringing it out for the world to see. That's so beautiful. I, I also think, um, like, how often do you ponder on those memories today in your day-to-day work? Like, do you go backwards? I'm curious to know sometimes. It's funny that you asked that question because I've been thinking about that a lot recently. And you're not the same person if you are committed mm. to being a forever student. And when I looked back on the last three decades, I definitely see that I'm a different person in each decade. So sure, the foundation is there. I'm always going to be at the tension point between the unicorn and the bull. But the way in which you think and the depth at which you operate and the understanding you have of yourself changes over time. So when I think about my 20s, I would say that that was unbridled. You don't want to listen to anybody. You have all the answers. You're, you look up at the mountain and you say, I got this. I just need a pair of hiking boots and I can get to the top of the mountain all by myself. And you're headstrong and, and you're really bullish and you need to be. You're finding your way through this crazy world that you've just encountered. And then I realized that when I got in my 30s, it was more informed than unbridled. And the informed part came from recognizing that there are people around you who know things. They've climbed this mountain before. They've seen things that you haven't, and they can actually give you wisdom to help guide your path. So you start surrounding yourself with people who know things, people who can show you the shortcuts or give you a new dimension that you weren't able to see on your own. And now that I'm in my 40s, I would call this the reflective state, which goes back to your question. And I've been spending a lot of time reflecting on the why. Why am I comfortable in this tension zone? Why do I have this vision of beauty? Why do I behave the way I behave? And this is where I'm really starting to unpack my childhood and how all of those moments have really impacted who I am today. And I think in this reflective state, you realize the interconnectedness of everything. You see the ecosystem. You're at the top of the mountain and you can see the weather patterns and you, re- you recognize the delicate nature of the balance. And you really start to connect dots in a way that you were never able to do before. And even just this moment I was talking about with my mother at the mirror, I never really reflected on that until 
the last year. And now I can see it so clearly in my mind, what a profound impact that had on my vision of beauty, but it took me a long time to get there. So I'm looking forward to spending more time beneath the surface and really understanding my drivers, my enablers, and all the things that shaped who I am in ways that I've never understood before. Oh, I love that. Uh, I mean, one thing I want to go on to is, um, I guess, you your initial start to your incredible career. Um, I think fragrance, that, that initial memory of fragrance, I think clearly had a, a bit of a power over your first few, um, I guess, uh, interests, because I saw you, you started in you went to FIT and then there was some marketing in fragrance, but then you also worked in Givenchy Parfum. So tell us a bit about the, the earlier days of your career and then we'll go into Shishida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I never wanted to be in beauty. It was never a dream of mine. It wasn't something I was seeking. I actually wanted to work for a financial institution. So I had this dream of working for one of the big banks. And I parked myself at Pace University in Manhattan because it had an affiliation with all of the big financial institutions. And I wanted to find a way of marketing finance in a way that people hadn't found before, because I actually found it very intriguing, but it didn't have, it didn't have good marketing around it. And that was my dream. So I start interviewing for the positions in these big financial institutions. And I just wasn't finding myself in a sphere of inspiration. I was finding it cold. I was finding it stark. I was finding it a little bit robotic. So my energy was actually repelling the energy that I was finding in this space that I had a dream of being, which can be a very uncomfortable place. So here I am in the tension point, right? And I left one of these interviews feeling like my dreams were being shattered and my dad called me and he said, hey, how's the job search going? And of course, when dad calls and answers the question, you start crying. <laughs> I said, but you know, my, my, my dreams are being shattered. And he said, well, you know, uh, Debbie Nuzo, who was actually a client at our family's salon in the town we grew up in, was the vice president of sales at Givenchy. And he said, I had a conversation with Debbie today and she's actually looking for somebody, why don't you give her a call and interview for this position she has open? And at that point, because I was in the unbridled phase of, I don't need help, I can do everything all by myself, I was pretty frustrated that he was trying to guide my path. I wanted to do this all by myself. And then I thought about it for a minute and I said, why not try? Let me give her a call. So I called up Debbie and she said, I'd love to interview you, come in, date, time, all the things. And I get to the lobby area of Givenchy and it was black lacquer and mirrors and this beautiful woman at the front desk with a heavy fresh ac French accent and this short black haircut and these gorgeous red lips, very different than what I was seeing in all those other interviews. And the phone rang when I walked in and she gave me the, hold on a minute, picks up the phone and she goes, Parfum Givenchy. And I felt like I was in the bottle of what I had seen on my mother's nightstand all those years. This world of emotive, evocative seduction. And that was it. I knew I was, my energy field and that energy field were coming together to tell me that this was the direction that I needed to take. That's amazing. I, I, I actually, uh, we have a quite a lot of similarities in, in, a, in a way of... Uh... 
Um, I was uh, an engineer. I thought my whole path was finance because that's what most engineers were doing and Goldman Sachs to the big IB banks. And then I was kind of like, I wasn't very good at it. Couldn't really (coughs) do it. And then my dad was like, um, yeah, it's literally the same. It's actually so funny. My dad was, the my side was Parfum Christians, yo. And I remember walking into (laughs) Paris and then, and then it was exactly, it was all white uh, with gray. And then there was a lady and it was like, Parfum Christians, yo. And I was like, whoa. So I I have a very similar, when you're saying this, I'm like, this is so nostalgic in a very, but all the same LVMH are still very similar. Um, but yeah, so I, I completely understand this hook of beauty that once it just kind of wraps you, you're encapsulated. And it's just like this, it kind of is this aha moment of like, I get it. And I, I, I see, see myself in this industry for my life. And, and um, I know then you, you went to a few other roles in um, for Pooch, Shido. Um, I mean, we'll get to, I think, the, 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 the star of the show itself. So but if you want to summarize <laughs> some of that experience, sure. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> I, I worked for a lot of different brands and really found my home in brand building and having that mm. reflective view of the field. What is the vision of the brand? What does it want to say to the world? Where are the people who are receptive to that message? And how do you find that space where you can bring joy or whatever emotion somebody is looking for in the brand that you're creating? And so I'll, I'll sum it up. I won't talk about all of the brands because there, there are many more than the ones I'll sum up, but I think you'll, you'll find a clear ladder in, in my journey. So one of my most closely aligned brands is Jean-Paul Gaultier. And I spent many years working for what the French call l'enfant terrible and the anti-conformist rule breaker. His motto was, and why not? Mm-hmm. I also spent many years working for Issy Miyake. And Issy Miyake's advice was always spend time with the things you don't know. And he really taught me about infinite curiosity. I also worked for Narciso Rodriguez, who used to quote Mies van der Rohe and say, God is in the details. And he was very much about rigor and discipline. I spent some time at Burberry, where they woke up every morning and ate digital domination for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, my last stint before I got to ELF was Bare Minerals, which was really going back to the roots of Leslie Blodgett and the power of human connection and building a brand through, let's call it the OG social media, one-to-one contact and communication. So if, if you summarize all of that, there's the anti-conformist, curious, rigor, discipline, digital dominant, social human connection. And then I'll top it all off with my time at Hermes, which taught me the power of storytelling, how to tell a captivating story that is going to compel people to join whatever it is that you're bringing forward to the world. So if you summarize all of that, I think all of that was necessary for me to be successful mm. at Elf because I brought all of it with me. I, I, and I also think like just talking about that luxury piece of Hermes and stuff, I do think um, this timeless approach to marketing is sometimes forgotten in this 
quick ephemeral world we live in. And I think one thing you've done at ELF is ensure there's a timeless nature to everything you do, as much as it has to be quick and hot and viral, right? Um, and I think I can really see it now because I didn't even know that was the breath of your experience. And that kind of totally makes sense. Um, but uh, I do want to talk about now your your um, experience at ELF and also now at Key Soul Care. So tell us first, like those initial moments when you started your first few days at ELF. I would say beyond the first few days, let's move that to the first few weeks. I interviewed as many people as I possibly could. And it was really a moment of the infinite curiosity and information gathering. That moment was really important for me to understand how to shape the first few months of my time there. The action plan was built off the learnings I took from those interviews. And it started with me asking very simple questions like, what is ELF? What does ELF mean to you? And I found that the more people I asked, the more different answers I I got. So what that told me was we needed to have rigor and discipline around the brand itself and create a very clear guideline, almost a lighthouse of what are what is the language? What is the common ground we're all going to be able to use that will be the basis point and the foundation upon which we can propel everything we do? So that was really important for me to take those learnings, to see those vibrations, to understand where to put the shovel first. Because it can be very overwhelming when you start a new job and you see all of the things that can be done. The most important thing is starting from the right place? What is the place to begin that is going to have the greatest possible impact to the greatest number of people? If I can create a strong brand, colors, codes, cues, language, common ground foundation, then we can build everything from there. So that was really the starting point. And once we created that and we created our ownable elf language, you'll hear, hear me drop elfisms all day long. What the elf, why the elf not? (laughs) Elfing amazing to be here with you today. Once we had that language and those codes and cues, then we took it out for a spin with our community to make sure we were on the right track and that they were going to be vibing with what we were putting out in the world. And what we found is they were picking up the language faster than we were inside our own organization and they were loving every second of it. So that gave us the signal we needed to keep going. And all of the signals that came from the community, what do you love about our brand? What problems can I solve for you? What is it that you want to see through ELF? How would you shape ELF? Were the signals we utilized to create our first brand campaign. We didn't identify the superpowers of the brand. We asked our community to do it for us, which is similar to what we just did in the UK campaign. That campaign is shaped by the community. So we we put our first campaign to market. It was a resounding success. All of the signals was a series of green lights. So it said, keep going, lean in, go further, dig deeper. And that's where we started to build campaigns on top of insights. And if I boil that formula down to what I think is both fundamental and also very unique to ELF, it's a four-part recipe. And you can use this four-part recipe, and this is what I'm giving your audience, and I, I, I encourage you all to take it and, and bring it into your spaces and places. 
The first one is tune the elfin. Tune the elfin means take your ears and make them as big as possible and listen to a lot of information from a lot of different places, your community, your employees, future prospects. Then what you want to do once you have all of that boiled down into insights is put your head in the stars, which is step two, and dream big about what's possible. And this is really important because you want to dream without handcuffs, without borders, without boundaries. Really stick your head up there in the clouds and have no filter. Then you go to step three, which is put your feet on the ground. And this is fundamental because your insights and your dreams don't mean anything if you can't actually make them happen. So your step three is once you've made that constellation in step two, I put my head in the stars. I see all these signals. I've now made a constellation. Take that constellation, put your feet on the ground and draw an action plan. What is the action that I can put behind this? And then step four, which is very unique to Elf, to your point is move at Elf speed. If you want to shape culture, you have to be part of culture and culture moves really fast. So you have to be able to take your insight, dream about what's possible, draw an action plan and bring it to market at speed. That's true for products. It's true for philosophies. It's true for moments in time, campaigns. That formula is really important because a lot of people go straight from insight to action without dreaming. That's- this is, um, I mean, yes, the audience is here, but that's really, I'm just taking notes personally. So that's, thank you so much. I'm like, I was like, oh, wait, I forget. What about, what about me? I need this. So yeah, this is really, really helpful. Um, and it's, and it's also really helpful for brand founders out there to nuance that to your own brand tone, right? Cause then it's a little bit more easier to digest for your own employees and your own stakeholders. Cause you can create your own pillars of, yeah, foundational kind of steps. Um, one thing I do want to go before we go into product and I want to go into elf and keys and talk a bit Mm -hmm. about the whole kind of 360. Can you tell us a bit about some of the campaigns, especially the one in the UK with express your elf? Again, it starts with tune the elf in. And what was really important for us was to take our ethos and make sure that we could bring it to life at the magic intersection of our brand and our community. So we tune the elf in to our community in the UK and we ask them, what does elf mean to you? And what came back was so exceptional. For some people, it's the cruelty-free angle. And that one was summarized by one of our cast members who said, every life free. Remember, elf is an acronym. Yeah. So we name it Eyes, Lips, Face. And we ask them to name it what it means to them. So you have every life free. Then uh, we had some of our cast members who said everyday luxury, finally, which speaks to the value proposition of our brand. We had another cast member who said every layer fresh, which speaks to the dynamism of our brand. And we turned that into a beautiful anthem that we then put our head in the stars and dreamt what was possible and said, okay, now what could we do with this that is really going to bring the joy, inclusivity, positivity, and accessibility that Elf has to offer in the UK to the growing UK community? So we decided to streetcast and bring real people into the fold because Elf is a brand of the people, by the people, for the people. And for that to be true, 
You need to create with the people. So Lewis, for example, was coming out of a nightclub and we spotted him and asked him if he wanted to be part of our campaign. Rebecca was working on the set. She was there to actually work on the set of the campaign. And our chief creative officer saw her and said, you are the living embodiment of Elf. Put down whatever you're doing and come be on the other side of the camera. So that is us dreaming about what's possible, right? And then we put it into action and we asked each one of them to please come unapologetically as themselves. We are not going to tell you what to wear, what look to have, who we want you to be, who we think you should be. We just want you to be your very best elf. So we invited them to express their elf. And of course, if I now take you to the fourth step, because you're following the rhythm, we were able to bring it to market at speed in a way that's culturally relevant with the vibrations of the moment we're living in right now, where people want to be invited to the party for who they are. People want to be able to express themselves in their truest form and not hide behind some societal image of who they need to be. And one of the greatest signals that we've received from this campaign are all the people who are saying, I found myself in your campaign, and it's the first time I've ever seen that. It's the first time I've ever connected so wholly and so fully. And a lot of people are saying, I didn't even know who your brand was, but now I want to. It's, and I can tell you as a South Asian, I'm, I'm, Kelly, um, sent, um, Kelly Mark sent this um, image of Anita Rani uh, posting on her Instagram about feeling the South Asian representation. And as someone obviously of South Asian um, heritage, I can just say it means so much to us to be seen and, and heard. And it was of a Model J. And it was so, yeah, just so um thankful in a way because we don't often get seen and you made us feel that and and that's powerful really really powerful and that is so, the yeah, that is the why very exciting that is the why we do that's what we do exactly. at elf and our entire platform is built on purpose we really lead with purpose and we say that elf stands with every eye lip face and paw and that comes to life on three core pillars. The first pillar is to encourage self-expression. We are here to encourage you to be the best you. The second one is all about empowerment. And if you think about Lewis or Jay or Medulla, we give them a stage to stand on that is bigger than they could ever do on their own. So we empower them to use our stage, to use our platform, to bring their message to the world with amplification and surround sound in a way they never could. And then the third pillar is really all about embodying our ethics. We want to do what's right for the people, for the planet, and of course, for our furry and finned friends. And we added Finn, I have to tell you this as part of the campaign that you mentioned before, we added the word Finn to our purpose statement because Jennifer Coolidge really loves the sea creatures. So she loved that our brand is cruelty-free. That was really important for her. And she really takes a stand for sea creatures. So we added the Finns to our purpose. 
Oh, I love that. That's and and it's great that it's constant, constantly evolving, right? With the new family and the people, your stakeholders increasing. It's it's ever it's a it's a growing mission, which I think is very important as well. And I I love that you just said that, and I think it's important to put a fine point on that because what mm. happens with a lot of brands is they get so stuck in this one place, in this one moment of time, and we put these mottos on the walls and we can't change them because it says this thing here. When you do that, at some point, that means you will need a revolution. If you evolve every day, if you recognize that everything is moving all the time and your job is to shape it with the moment and meet the moment and find that incredible intersection between the ethos of your brand, which can evolve as humans, right? We're evolving. So if you always find the place between the ethos and the moment, then you'll be on a, con a continuous path of evolution. And that, I think, is the most fundamental thing for brand building is don't get stuck in a moment in time. That's really powerful. I have a question. Um, you know, when I worked in these big companies, I saw while the intention was to be reactive and agile, it was very hard to do so specifically when there's, you know, strict budgets and processes and, and systems that are sometimes hard to you know move around and then when I started my company it was very agile three people initially you know we could do everything in two hours one hour notice we just get something live if we wanted to and now as we're 30 plus people I'm starting to feel like oh god the systems are like making it difficult and I get it we need the systems but how as a leader do you make sure the ship is still Agile. Do you know what I mean? One thing is to understand that it's really elfing hard. And none of this is easy, Akash, none of it. And a company of yeah. three people is very different than a company of 30, which is very different than a company of 100, and so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And what is, what is really fundamental is understanding very clearly what is precious that you can never change. And when I think about what is really precious about Elf, it's our entrepreneurial spirit. It's our challenger mentality. It's our renegade bias for action. This is precious. It's our, it's our kind heart. It's our disrupting norms. So we can't ever touch that. The culture of innovation that's built when all of those things come together, operating with no handcuffs, no red tape, no velvet ropes. What has to change as you get bigger and bigger is to put a little bit of structure around things so that a growing organization has clear paths of operation. And I can tell you that's probably the hardest part of my job, especially coming from big corporation, just like you did. You came from Lauder and, and LVMH. I came from Shiseido and LVMH and Pood, you know, big companies that have a lot of structure and processes and, and people, tens of thousands of people. And sometimes you find yourself bending toward structure and process because chaos is hard and mm -hmm. people want, people want to know that this is my thing and this is what I do and this is how I do it. And you've got to find the balance between those two things, because if you put too much structure and too much process, then you put ice water on the hot coals, which is probably a little bit of what you're feeling right now as you go from three to 30. So you just have to know where the right spot is and just continuously adjust and adjust and adjust because the most important thing 
is to make sure that you have set up the conditions necessary for innovation to happen. And where does innovation happen? Innovation happens when people are in a state of thrive, Mm. when people are in a flow state. You can't get to thriving flow state if you have too much structure, process, so on and so forth. So really hard to do. We're now an organization of 350 between 350 and 400. And we're up against companies that have tens of thousands of people. And I think the difference between us and them is we know what's precious. We are protecting that at every level and making sure that we also evolve at the same time to have a highly functioning company where people can thrive and be their best selves. I love that. That's really helpful. And, um, I'm sure for many listening as well, very, very uh, profound information right now, because I think since COVID as well, a lot of businesses have have gone through quite a few iterations of how structure is, you know, whether it's in person and remote and this. And and I think it's been a lot of change that is um, sometimes uh, easy and uh, to deal with when it's, um, you know, a positive change. But then when you feel you're up against it, it can feel quite suffocating and lonely. And I think sometimes I'm in that state of mind. But ultimately, um, it's very important to remember uh, if you know what's the healthiest and best, like, for example, as you said, where innovation lies, it's okay to make dis- decisions and keep on changing until you find the balance. Because sometimes I, I, I give myself, you know, I, I change my mind a lot and I'm thinking, oh, God, I just hired this person, but I know it's not right. What am I doing? I feel like I'm trying 100 things and nothing's landing. But I think that's part of the process as well. I think it's okay to be honest with myself and know. I'm striving for that place, right? Where we keep it pulsing and alive. Um, but yeah, it, it's more an internal thing. Sometimes it, it feels bigger in our head. And then in reality, when you, when you take a step away, it's like you have to paint like a picture. You've got to take a step back and be like, actually, Akash, it's not that bad. It's more in here. You know? <laughs> well, I think, I think we need to all give ourselves a lot more grace. What you're doing is hard. Exactly. Being a founder is really hard. Building a company is really hard. And I think when, when you get to those places where you feel lonely or overwhelmed, you have to just take a step back and then surround yourself with things that are good for you. Who are the people that I can consult in this moment when I'm, when I'm doing a lot of questioning? And have that personal board of directors who you can call upon for advice, wisdom, and guidance because They may not have the perfect answer for you in this moment, but they're going to say something that is going to give you the clearer picture that you need to sort out what's going on in your mind. And those are really important moments. And the moments that you find yourself the most discomfort is the signal or the calling to you to lean on your personal board of directors. And discomfort is a great place. And those are great moments because you're going to learn and you're going to bust through that particular tough spot that you're standing. But I think too often everybody thinks or they have this myth. So here we can, we can bust this myth that the path is linear. Yeah. It's not linear. It's not not linear. It's it's never linear. (laughs) Yeah. It is a winding road. It's going to have ups and downs. We were in a study recently with an insights group and they had done a study on how people were feeling and what were the emotions. So he put up the chart of emotions that they were asking 
shoppers about. And it said, do you feel anxious, happy, sad, lonely, and went through like 10 of them. And I turned around, I said, I feel all of those in one day. (laughs) None of this is linear. Every moment is going to present a new set of challenges. Every moment is going to ask you to take a different facet of yourself to meet that moment to drive things forward. It's so true. No, and I also love the fact about the board i think that's something as well small companies when they're growing they forget to certain decisions need to be made and and we're we're still self-funded i have no board of directors just me myself and i and my sister Mm. at the top kind of can get a little bit tough that's why so i think um few people recently been telling me about a board an advisory board and i think that's something that i need to start thinking about three years in it's going to be quite healthy i think but um, yeah, that's for another conversation. We'll talk offline about that. I might need to pick your brain on that. But um, I do want to talk a little bit about product and then go into key soul care uh, before we wrap up. But um, first, Elf, um, yeah. absolutely obsessed, but I'm sure many listening is going to agree. So I feel like I'm, I don't need to really talk much about products. Everyone should know the brand by now. But just in case no one's, someone hasn't tried Elf, what can they expect to see in the universe of Elf Cosmetics and Elf Skin? So at ELF, we make the best of beauty accessible to every eye, lip, and face. So I like to say that we took what was once exclusively only available to the happy few, and we make it widely available to the happy many. What does that actually mean? Well, when people shop in the prestige sector, where you and I started our careers and I spent 20 years, there are luxury codes, textures, Sense formulas that don't always get brought into the mass market aisles. It's reserved for these really high price points that are very inaccessible. So what you can find with Elf is we break that myth. And we say you can have luxury codes, cues, textures, formulas available at an affordable price. And you'll find that across every brand in our portfolio. And every product. So the one you just held up, which is our Halo Glow Liquid Filter, which right now is a fan favorite. The Prestige equivalent is four times the price. And what's really fascinating when you think about, so there's the emotional connection that we make with people where we took away the hierarchy and the red ropes and the velvet tape and we made it accessible to everybody at a price they could afford and a quality that you can only find in the Prestige aisle. There's also the business side of, right? That's the emotional side. And then the business side is the question everybody always asks us is, are people trading down? And actually, they're not. We're making the whole category bigger. And what we found is that when we actually launch, the prestige equivalent grows and the entire pie gets bigger because most of the people didn't have access to that thing in the first place. So Elf is advancing the entire beauty category by giving more people access to these incredible products, formulas, textures, and all of the elements that were once only available in prestige. And coming from prestige, I always found, which is why I crossed the bridge from prestige to mass, that we were doing such incredible work and creating these amazing things that would would make people feel But we were only talking to less than 1% of the population. What about everybody else? Why can't they have access to all these incredible things that we create? 
And that's what we're able to do at Elf. So true. And I think also as, as custodians of the brands in the prestige world, we're also told as stakeholders to, to minimize our audience to those that can only potentially afford it or based on the price. And I didn't feel inclusivity in these big companies. And, and not to say, you know, not every brand has their own different version of what is inclusive and what they need to position. It's a very, it can vary, but it's so true that margins are so big in these companies that you don't have to retain all this profit. You could give it back, right? And become more inclusive. And I love what ELF stands for because you're able, sure, with the efficacy, you know, ELF is able to price it a lot more, but it chose not to. And I think that's really powerful, especially today. Um, so yeah, just want to make sure people understand this because what's inside is really good and what you're paying. What's inside is... is- really <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we, we have, we have a, a, a lot of superpowers. And when I think about... And again, I'll, I'm going to say this in service to to you as a founder and, and and as well as your audience is your first job is to create an orbit that people want to be a part of. The number one thing that you could ever ask of anybody is their most precious resource, which is time. Don't start with money, start with time. You're asking people time. to spend time with your brand. So... If that is your fundamental starting point, what is this orbit that I can create that you want to be a part of that is worthy of your time? Because I want to respect your time, right? Then the second thing you need to think about is within that space, so now that I have your time, how do I make sure that I am delivering something that is solving a problem for you or answering a need or or making sure that we're actively listening. A lot of brands listen, but they don't actively listen. So for example, when I think about Elf, for we just launched this incredible lip oil. Why did we launch lip oil? Because our community was begging us to. Because mm-hmm. there were prestige beauty aisles where this incredible trend toward lip oil was happening that they didn't have access to and that they couldn't afford. So they came to Elf and they said, Elf, we need a lip oil, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I would go on TikTok lives and ask the community, which I do very often, what do you want to see next from Elf? It was resounding. It was lip oil, lip oil, lip oil, lip oil, lip oil, lip oil, lip oil. So what did we do? We made them a lip oil. oil. (laughs) And we're able to listen to our community, and most importantly, give them back what it is that they're asking for, both in products, as well as in the energy around us, the campaigns that we do, the people we invite in to our space is really all built on signals that come in from our community. Yeah. That kind of goes back to your first main point is always, you know, listening is the most important. And if you are consistently listening, you'll all your decisions will eventually should be revolving around this and making sure you're putting these stakeholders in mind. So it's very, very important. Um, but I also want to talk about Keys Soul Care. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, just as much as I love Elf, I'm a huge fan of Keys. I think it's um, very, very much relating to kind of that kind of juxtaposition of spiritual and business growing up, right? My lifestyle. 
And uh, soul care is a word that's just really hones into my heart. So can you tell us a bit how Keys started and uh, your role in Keys and yeah, what it, what's it stand for? Absolutely. And thank you for saying that. You obviously understood the core essence of soul care. It started with Alicia and Alicia's mm. vision of beauty and what she wanted to say in the beauty space. And a lot of people don't know this, but she suffered with acneic skin. And as somebody who is such a public figure and always under cameras, it can be really troubling inside here if you don't feel good with what you're putting out to the world visually. So she really suffered with her skin. And because she had acneic skin, her makeup artist would put on heavy makeup to cover up what was happening underneath. Then she would go perform under lights and, you know, you're sweating and it would just exacerbate the issue. And she really struggled and she realized the struggle was not only topical. So the first time I said to her after we met that she had incredibly beautiful skin, she actually got very emotional because somebody saying to her, she has beautiful skin it really touches her in a place where it takes her back to the struggle she had. So we realized that there was just this incredibly important connection between skin and soul. And we needed to create a bridge and a brand that would do more than just one thing. It's not just about topical, it's about holistic. So we looked at the beauty space and we created four guiding lights that were unique to Alicia and what she wanted to bring to the world through beauty, but also what people needed from beauty that they weren't getting. So those four guiding lights start with inspiration. And why inspiration is important is because most brands are about aspiration, painting this picture of this thing that you should be, that you should ladder up into. And that is actually not what Alicia Keys is all about. Alicia Keys is here to unlock, help you unlock your greatness, whatever makes you more powerful, more possible. So really here to inspire you to be your best you. The second part is all about intention, setting an intention to have a moment with yourself, to create a personal ceremony, to care about you. The third one is all about ritualization. So this is not just about washing your face with a golden cleanser. It's about lighting a candle. Even the five minutes it takes to wash your face can be a moment of self-reflection, a moment of looking in the mirror and speaking kindly to yourself. So it really starts with lighting a candle, having these beautiful textures and formulas and scents take you to places that are going to be a moment of indulgence, and then sealing it off with an affirmation. And Perhaps what I love most is that Alicia writes every single affirmation on the bottle. And you can see right now I'm in a hotel, I'm traveling, it can be tough, life on the road is hard. But these bottles talk to me every single morning mm. and they tell me, give myself permission to glow, shine at full wattage, embrace yeah. every circumstance as a catalyst for change. And they remind me to speak positively to myself in the mirror and to fill myself with the good energy that I need to be my best self. 
And then the fourth part is holistic care. Beauty for so long has been about topical care. With Key Soul Care, it's an and, capital A-N-D. You get the topical care with dermatologists developed beautiful formulations and ingredients that are highly efficacious. And you get the soul care, the formulas, the textures, the sense, the spirituality that allows you to really have this holistic well-being. So it's really all about inspiration, intention, ritualization, and holistic care. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I have my own personal ritual. So maybe I'll, I'll share that with you. The golden cleanser, and you will actually appreciate that because it has turmeric in it and manuka honey, and you will find. Ayurvedic ingredients because our innovation philosophy is modern skin science, which is what Dr. Renee Snyder, our dermatologist, brings, and ancient beauty rituals. So we use malachite and obsidian and you know stones of transformation and crystals and things and turmeric and hojicha powder and you name it. It's just this incredible blend, this magic intersection between modern skin science, and ancient beauty rituals. So the golden cleanser is just an extraordinary moment where you are going to have your face be cleansed efficaciously without being stripped. So one of the things that our dermatologist is quite honestly frustrated about is a lot of the beauty products out in market are touting all of these high levels of actives and you need to have this competition between who has 10% or 12% or 15%. The problem is those are actually breaking down your natural skin barrier and they're doing more harm than good. So what Dr. Renee and Alicia wanted to do was create gentle and efficacious formulas that are taking your skin's natural power in mind and not stripping or wiping away anything you need. So I start with the golden cleanser. Then I actually have, and I mean, I'm traveling with all these things, so they're they're travel friendly. Uh, I use the Promise Serum for oil control, and it's just a great lay down before you put anything else on your face. 
Then I use our Truly Becoming. You absolutely need to have this. This is our multi-benefit peptide serum. I use it twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. This is probably my favorite affirmation. It says, I rise above. Remind yourself to do that every day. I rise above. Then I use our transformation cream. And then I finish with the illuminating serum, which you can see that healthy glow that I carry with me all day comes from the illuminating serum. And this one says, I give myself permission to glow. Never let anyone dim your light. Well, you know, it's funny because when we started working on key soul care and these rituals, I started to actually practice things I've never practiced before. So this brand has actually changed my life. And I realized when I reflected in the morning and stood in front of the mirror that the first thing I would do, which is what most people do and try this tomorrow morning and see how it goes for you, is you go right to the negative. I look tired, my hair is a mess, the bag's under my eyes. So we actually start our day by filling ourselves with negative energy. We don't need anybody else to do that for us. We've done it ourselves. So then what else are we inviting into our space if that's the way we begin? So I took the rituals of key soul care, I put them into practice, and I started my day by looking in the mirror and saying, you are strong, capable, and unstoppable. If you do it once, you'll have a good day. If you do it consistently over time and allow it to create a habit, then you can radiate the good energy back out into the world. And it has been life-changing for me. I practice it every morning, and I would encourage you to do the same. Mm-hmm. I am excited to continue to encourage people to be their best selves. And I think we are at a moment where the message that Elf has been putting out in the world for 20 years, most people don't know that we're 20 years old, but next year is our 20th birthday, so I'm wildly excited about that, is actually more fitting today than perhaps it ever has been before. And inviting people to be unapologetically themselves is one of the most powerful things that we can ever do. And I'm going to, can I tell you a quick story? I know we're supposed to be in lightning round, but I actually love this story. (laughs) When we were in the UK doing our launch party, For the new campaign, we invited Katie Baser, who's this incredibly young, energetic, emerging pop star who's just this bottle of incredible energy that she brings into the universe to perform because her song, Disco Shoes, is the song that is in the track for the campaign. So she calls me Miss Elf. So she said, Miss Elf, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to perform And I said, I can't wait to see you be unapologetically you. 
and she gets on stage and she performs and she does a great job and the crowd is excited and it was a beautiful moment and energy is buzzing and it's all the things you could ever want as a brand builder. It's all coming together in this moment. And she gets off the stage at the end and she runs to me with open arms. Miss Elf, Miss Elf jumps on me and hugs me. And I, it was this incredible emotional moment. And I said, what, you want to say something? What do you want to say? And she said, everybody has always told me what not to do, who I can't be, what I can't say. This is the first time I've ever been invited to just be myself. And I realized in that moment the power of what we're doing here. And it really transcends everything else. So I'm most excited to be able to create more of those moments for people when they feel the power and the emotion and the power of themselves when they're given the liberation to be who they really are. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is so hard. <clears throat> like you, I love all my I love all my babies. So because I because I have two, because I have two, I will say from elf, I have to bring an SPF. So I am going to bring the Woe Glow because it gives me a beautiful, healthy glow while protecting my skin from the harmful effects of the sun. And on the key soul care side, I am bringing the comforting balm. And the reason I'm bringing the comforting balm is because it is a workhorse. It brings comfort to any area that you put it on, whether you need moisturization on your cuticles or you need a beautiful um, moisturization on your lips or on your cheeks. Alicia even uses it on her eyelids. And that affirmation is something I want to have with me at all times, which says, I surround myself with things that are good for me. That is a really tough question where nothing, you know, it's funny because you, you said brand. So I'm actually going to go to brand right away. I am obsessed with liquid death. I'm obsessed with liquid death. So I'm going to step out of beauty. How about that? I'm breaking your rule. And what I, what I love about Liquid Death is they are unapologetic rule breakers. And everything they do from their product to their marketing is so true to the essence of what they're trying to bring to the space that it's truly exceptional lesson in unwavering badassery and disruption.
any place in nature. And when I, when I think about the most exceptional moments of my life, they've been on vast landscapes where you can see forever. And those moments are so grounding because you can see that the world is infinity and we are just one little dot in it. And it's an incredible moment for you to recognize the power and the energy of the world around us. And I love to hike and I love to be touching nature, feeling nature, have the earth's vibrations coming through your body and recognizing its power and its force, whether it's the ocean or the mountains or the sky. Or So for me, it's 100% every moment takes me to a place of nature and a place of stunning landscapes that teach you about what it means to be limitless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think you and I are the same person. There, there, there's so many similarities <laughs> in my stories. I find that very endearing. (laughs) Poetry. I love to write poetry. I would join you at UNICEF. I really believe in the power of giving and leaving the world a much better place than we found it in any way that we can. So I would join you on the incredible work you do in that space. Mm-hmm. 
You can find Elf across every social platform. We have a Twitch channel called Elfview that I invite you to for live streaming and the intersection between beauty and gaming. Of course, you'll find us on Instagram, X, TikTok. Our TikTok handle is Elfia. We also have our websites uh, for all of our brands, keysoulcare.com. You can find keys across all of the social media platforms as well. And if you would like to follow what you call my words of wisdom, I didn't call them that, you did, you can follow me on LinkedIn where I do my best to give to the community all the things that I'm learning and seeing. And you'll find sometimes I put poetry in there. So when I'm feeling like I need to express myself through the power of meaningful words, I will throw in some poetic uh, versions. So, and, and that is where you, can, where you can find me. I also want to thank you for all the goodness that you're putting into the world. And you've given me a lot of good energy to go about my day. And you're putting a lot of good energy into the world and the work you're doing with this podcast, with your brand, and also what you do for UNICEF. So thank you for, for bringing good energy into all the spaces that you enter. hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music Podcasts, the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network so be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.